a lot of times when we start to see success, for some reason, many of us self-sabotage. There's going to be different motivating factors, and I, I can't figure it out just on a broad spectrum, but each and every one of us, for whatever reasons, start to do something that move us away from the success that we're having. And my philosophy has always been, if it works, do more of it. If it doesn't, do less of it. What confounds me about people is they start to have success and they do less of it. And the things that don't bring them success, they start to do more of that. our room or space here on Twitter. As you can tell, I'm getting a little bit more prolific here on Twitter spaces, creating content, hopefully to connect with you all and to have conversations with you. In an ongoing series we've been calling Business Fundamentals, I've been talking about business with Mo Ismail, who will be joining us shortly. And last night, we got into a kind of a heated conversation. Even our good friend Lola was saying, Christo, you are a savage. So if you missed that call, tonight might be a little confusing for you, but I'll do my best to get you caught up to speed. Now, an interesting thing happened is that Drigo, Drigo was on that call, and he's like, man, I need a follow-up call right now. And so shortly, Mo will be joining us, and he has a follow-up, and that's why we're calling this room, or the topic, passion or profit. Like, do you have to choose one or the other, and which one should you choose And how do we even decide to begin with? I believe in passion. I believe in following your passion. And so this is where it might sound really conflicted and confusing. In a little bit, I'm going to introduce myself and a couple other people. But I want to let you know how tonight's going to go. Now, yesterday, we got into the thick of it. And I felt pressured to bring other people who I didn't know to come up on stage and talk with us. But it got a little confusing. So tonight, for the most part, uh, I'm going to just stick to having a conversation with Drigo and possibly Mo and my friend Nidhi, who's a um, mental health professional. So I think she's always uh, dropping value and knowledge and wisdom. So I just made her mic hot <clears throat> just in case she wants to say something. But I'm just going to ask all of you just to hang out and listen, enjoy the conversation. And if you want to talk to us, uh, tweet something. And let's use the hashtag FuturePro, F-U-T-U-R Pro, FuturePro. And that way, my friends can help me scan and monitor that. And that way, we can bring in your comments and questions in real time without it interrupting the flow of the conversation too much. I hope that makes sense. We're probably going to be here for another 90 minutes or so. I see my friend Heather there. Heather, just send me a message if you want to join the conversation. Okay. Drigo, set up what we're going to be talking about. Why are we even addressing this issue of passion or profit? Thanks, Chris. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening tonight. Uh, so pretty much yesterday, like Chris had a call with Mo, and everything that Chris said during a call made sense to me. Like when Chris lays down the logic, it just makes sense. But I felt conflicted with everything I've been also learning from Chris in the sense of like we had a call not too long ago, not a call, we're actually in LA, and I remember me and Mo were sitting there, and Chris, you're telling us, you guys need to build an audience why are you guys still doing client service business, like client services? And like, and you told us about the deal that you closed with a large computer accessory company. And you guys like, you guys are missing out. And with that, I started my journey of creating a digital product, which I saw like uh, online contracts and I started doing coaching and things like that. And, um, and then we started doing pro calls inside of the future pro group about doing a product, you know, or launching a course. And then yesterday's call, Everything you said to me made so much sense, but it left me feeling so conflicted of like which path to choose. Okay. Was that an abrupt end? What happened? <laughs> that was an abrupt end. It's, it's like it left me, it, it left, that's how I felt yesterday. I felt in a, a left, I got kind of left in like a, a cliffhanger of like, I don't know what to do because everything you said made sense. But like in the other end of it, like I find, so much more passion doing the YouTube content, doing my coaching calls. And I just don't know what path to even go forward with anymore. So I kind of want to talk to you and kind of figure out like, you know, what is really the path that we should be looking at? What are the things that we should really, should we be considering as creative entrepreneurs that, you know, I guess that's where I'm really kind of stuck. I don't know how to proceed. 
at this point. All right. First, I just want to quote uh, Tony Robbins. He said that passion is the genesis of genius. So passion is the genesis of genius, and I do believe in that. I believe if you pursue things that you're not passionate about, it will only take you so far. All right. So here's what I want to do. Drigo's question and maybe confusion and lack of clarity will make a lot more sense if we're able to just quickly recap where we were yesterday and where we are today with Mo. Mo, can you give us the high-level overview just real quick so everybody understands what's going on, and then we're going to introduce ourselves, okay? I'm at the house today. Babies are asleep, so you can give the high-level recap. Okay, very good. So here's what happened. Yesterday, Mo was um, looking for some business advice and coaching because he was a little conflicted. He had two paths to go down, or possibly a hybrid, so maybe that's a third path, of whether or not he should create an educational product that's a hybrid of a course slash uh, coaching or consulting, something like that. And the other thing was his service business, which was him making social video content for others. And he started to see real progress and growth in that line of business. And setting his goals for 2022, he had disclosed that he wanted to do half a million dollars in, in revenue. The prior year, I think he did 140000 which was a lot of progress for him. Let me go back to my notes here just to make sure I have that right. Give me two seconds here. I got my notebook open. 170000 in revenue. So it was more than a 2x, almost a 3x growth, which is pretty fantastic if you can hit. Companies would kill to grow by three times, right? So that means if you were doing a million dollars this year, that you're predicting that you'll do $3 million of revenue next year. And that's remarkable growth. And so he was like, um, what should I do? And we kind of really got into it. And we were looking at the data. What are you basing your decisions on? And we discovered there was a lot of emotion in there. And I generally like emotion. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And in fact, EQ, emotional intelligence, is really important in the 21st century as a skill to have, as a trait to have. But when it comes to making decisions and being clear about where you should go with your life and your business, I think we have to look at the data a little bit. Like, where are we getting our conclusions from? And there are things that we, we love, that we think we love, but I really think it's we're infatuated with. And what infatuation is like, I have a crush. It feels a lot like love. And then we fall out of it. And then we're like on to the next thing. And so it got pretty heated yesterday because I was really just trying to help Mo see the facts. Just the facts. And I've been thinking about this a lot uh, since our conversation. I was thinking, Mo was saying, I could grow both sides of the business equally. I'm equally confident in growing either side of the business, the product and the service, to get to $500,000. Where his confidence comes from, I do not know. And I asked him, like, where do you project your data from? He says his aspirations. So just from thin air, from the cloud. And then I think Drigo's listening in on this conversation thinking, wait a minute, I'm actually pursuing my business right now, but maybe I'm confused now. Maybe I should do something different. And so now we're going to get into that. I hope that was a high level enough conversation or recap. I don't want to get into the whole conversation there has been some evolution in the thinking since then, but since Mo is a place where he can't speak too much, maybe we'll save that for another day. Okay, Drigo, let's get into your specific conflict about passion or profit. What are you pursuing now, passion or profit? Right now, passion. Um, and and it's and it's hard because like with the call that we had last night, me and Mo had a call this morning, and I was like, dude, last night. Like that was kind of brutal. I was just like, I felt it for you because like we got into the whole thing of like, I know how passionate he is about doing the course thing. And I was like, I relate to that because like I'm in the same boat. I'm trying to build a course. I've been listening to Chris. Chris is like, you guys need to build an like an audience. Like you guys need to like build out the YouTube thing. And then everything he said about doing the business, it makes sense. Like me, if I keep doing like Tasca Studios another two or three years, keep grinding out, get myself out of the dip. Doing a course, doing everything else makes sense. But I don't feel as passionate about it as I do as like when I do a coaching call and somebody calls me the following week and they're like, dude, like what you did for me helped me so much. And it gives so much more joy from that. But at the end of the day, I, like one of the stories that sticks with me, I don't know if I can share it's about your friend and like how he didn't have money to buy a ticket for his like wife and all that story sticks with me like day in day out and that always leaves me so conflicted 
Okay, uh, I, I I don't want you to tell that story because I, I need to be able to tell it without revealing too much about the person. And uh, we, we will talk about that, okay? So let me just get clear on something. You are currently following your passion, which is a service business, is that right? No, so me, me and Mo had a call right now. Like this year, I was ready to like put my service business on a back burner and go full in on YouTube. Okay, so let's be clear now. Because uh, a lot of our audience, they don't even know who you are. They don't know what business that you're in. They don't even know what the heck we're talking about. So let's not make any assumptions about that. Let's clear it up. Currently, what is your business? My business is I have a video production agency that specializes in creating brand videos and TV commercials. Okay, TVCs and brand videos. So you shoot videos and you edit them and you, you produce and direct them, right? Yep. Okay, and you would classify this under profit or passion? Uh, started out as passion, but now it's profit because um, it's all client work. Okay, can you explain that? Like, what do you mean it became pro? Like, isn't that a good thing? Like your passion, your hobby, and then now it's your profession. Isn't that a good thing? It is a good thing, but it turned like the reason I got into video is because like I enjoy just doing it for fun, and then all the projects that I do now, it's all client work. I'm like always doing client work, so the fun that like I used to have doing it like i'm so passionate about what i do but i don't get as much joy as when i edit a behind the scenes video from one of my client shoots or i'm putting together a video to teach somebody about you know how they can grow their video production business okay so what started out as being really fun that started to diminish and something happened can you describe a, like in a very high level way a couple of bullet points as to why it's less fun now I think honestly, it's because I don't have the time that I used to have when this was just like a fun thing. Like my free time is consumed between either working on the next project, doing sales and marketing, trying to grow that side of the business. So like the fun and the downtime that I used to just put together creative videos or just shoot something, you know, for the fun of it, like that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. One could probably sum up what you just said is, uh, making videos was really fun for me before because it was self-directed. Now it's other-directed. Would that be fair to say? Extremely fair. Okay. And so the more successful you get in the video production business, the less opportunity you have to do it for yourself. Is that also accurate? Yes. Okay. And in, in your pursuit of building a profession and a business and being able to make money, it's it's kind of like you got your wish, right? Because when, when you're doing it for yourself, you're really happy, but you're broke. Also true? Extremely true. Okay. So you do have a decision. I mean, you have full agency. And I, I, I assume that no one has a gun to your head saying you must make more videos for clients, right? I mean, you could just scale back and take half of the time and book it for yourself. Is that possible? It is possible. Okay, and do you think if you were to cut back your time, let's assume, and I, I don't know this, let's assume you work 40 hours a week, a standard work week here in America. And if you can just cut back 50% so that only 20 hours a week are spent on client work and 20 hours a week are spent for you, would that increase your happiness quotient? It possibly could. Okay, so what's the hesitation coming from? In the sense of like a very similar situation with what Mo was talking about, like, the business, like we had our best year yet this year. So, do you want to talk numbers with me, or do you want to keep that as an abstract? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, we let's did, do it. Like we did a, yeah, we did one hundred eighty-six thousand this year. Last year. Yeah, last year, twenty twenty-one. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. You and Mo are in very similar boats. I know that's from yesterday wow. that hit me because last, this last year, the same thing. I hired a team of editors. I had like two to three people in the Philippines. Like I had all these things happening. Okay. With all of that, I was like managing the team, all these different things. I was like, I don't know if this is what I want. But okay. then I hear you talking about like, you guys are in the dip. Like you need to make it up. You got to make it through the dip. And it makes, and like, that's where I felt conflicted because it made sense, right? Yeah. Me making it through the dip, keep working through this is only going to make me a better business person. It's only going to make me a better videographer, YouTuber, all these other things that come along with it. But it's like, I'm putting, am I putting my passion off to the side to keep working on my business? Yeah. Okay. I want to just say a couple of things. First of all, congratulations, $186,000. Like anybody with enough heart and determination and grit and a little bit of luck can make it in America. I mean, you're not that far away of making a quarter or grossing a quarter of a million dollars. And 
I, I need to point this out because you did share this on Clubhouse before. Um, you, you do need to understand something about Drigo. He's been an independent person, like on his own for a long time. And he literally worked as a butler, as a manservant for a period in his life. Right, right, Drigo? That's correct. So this is a gigantic leap forward, in my opinion. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm trying to just acknowledge this because oftentimes when we're in our own business, we don't have that perspective where we can step out of our business and look at ourselves and say, you know what? Good freaking job, Drigo. So 186000 It basically, you guys are almost the exact same company revenue-wise. And I think that's an accomplishment, and we just need to acknowledge that. Because there are people in this audience, I imagine, quite a few, especially if you're in a developing country, where you would probably give your left leg to be able to have the problem of what should I do with my life since I'm making an, or grossing $186,000. I just want to put that in perspective. Things are going well. Okay, now here's the problem, and or or maybe the question is, if reducing your workload for clients by half or whatever percentage you want bought you back some of your free time so that you can explore whatever it is you want. You want to do uh, cave paintings, you want to uh, weave baskets and throw pottery, that is up to you. So the question is, why haven't you done that? Honestly, because I think, I think with the growth of everything that was happening, I wanted to see where things could go. Cause like when I started in this, I never saw it this far. And like, I always struggle with the question of like, where do you see yourself in five years? Like with, you know, you know, my story about like what happened in Brazil, like it's always so hard for me to imagine where I'm going to be in two years from now, because like, I didn't even like the thought of how I ended up in America. It's still like, it's hard for me to even grasp. So it's hard for me to think that far into the future. I understand. And, and so if you don't mind sharing, I do remember what happened in Brazil. Can you just tell people what happened in Brazil? Yeah, so we're living in Brazil. I was uh, 10 years old. My family was robbed. I was held hostage um, in my house for about eight hours. Next day, the people, my mom come home, found us like locked up in a closet. Next day, the people called my mom at her job and said, just next time if you call the police, we rob you. Like, you're not going to find your kids alive. We left Brazil within, like, pretty much, like, 30 days. Parents sold everything, moved to America, and, like, kind of began, like, our, you know, American dream pursuit of happiness. And what what do you think happened to 10-year-old Drigo in that moment? Like, how did that affect your psyche? That's <sighs> funny because me and Mo talk about this. Like, it, it helped. It's kind of, like, been a good and bad thing. It's, like, it helped me move through things very quickly. Sometimes I don't process things very well. I just kind of like, like we just had to keep moving. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, I didn't get a chance to process that. It's something like you hear about this kind of stuff in Brazil all the time. So for me, it was just like, hey, it happened to us. It is what it is. I mean, we packed our bags and we left. We came to America. And every time any like bad situation has happened to me, like I just move through it quickly. But I don't like, I sometimes don't process things. I just like move through like, and me and Mo talk about this. Like I sometimes get things done very quickly because I'm just like, okay, we just got to get it done. We just got to move. I'd like to invite Nitty to jump in anytime. Nitty, if you have something you'd like to add, just raise your hand so I can recognize you and bring you on. I, I don't want to call you unnecessarily, okay? So anytime you think you have a perspective, go ahead and raise your hand. And, oh, you have something to say, Nitty? Well, I was just going to thank uh, Drigo for sharing that because that sounds like a really traumatic experience. And um, I, I think it's so cool that you're able to see the connection there between that experience and the decision making in the present. So I just wanted to commend you. But um, yeah, carry on. Okay. So I, I don't want to play like a fake um, therapist here. So we can all acknowledge like when you experience something or if we can imagine experiencing a life and death situation where whether you're 10 years old, 20 years old or 100 years old, when you don't know if you're going to survive that moment uh, and you have no agency, that's going to change the way you think about things. And so when when Drigo says, it's hard for me to imagine where I'm going to be in three, five years, because at one point in his life, he couldn't imagine what was going to happen tomorrow. I'm just going to make that assumption there. And, and also, having faced death, it also gives you a kind of clarity that little things, little uh, transgressions that might happen to you ain't anything. 
I remember Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote the book uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He said that he volunteered to serve in Vietnam and flew, flew helicopters, and he almost missed the war, and he was really disappointed. But he did get to fly in some missions and where machine gun fire was literally firing at him, and it didn't kill him. So when he came back uh, uh, as a veteran, returning back to the world of business, he said that, you know what? They couldn't kill me with bullets. What are, what are words going to do to me? So it gave him... Um, maybe a false sense of his own um, immortality or mortality. And he was brave enough to start doing things that, that would scare normal people, but he wasn't afraid. And so we can look at it in a number of different ways. But getting back to what we're talking about right now, you're, you're growing your business and you're starting to look around a little bit and maybe it, it's getting murky again. And you connected with the story of... A lot of times when we start to see success, for some reason, many of us self-sabotage. And there, there's going to be different motiva- motivating factors, and I, I can't figure it out just on a, on a broad spectrum, but each and every one of us, for whatever reasons, start to do something that move us away from the success that we're having. And my philosophy has always been, if it works, do more of it. If it doesn't, do less of it. What confounds me about people is they start to have success and they do less of it and the things that don't bring them success, they start to do more of that. And that is as confusing to me as probably as I am to you, Drigo. I can't figure it out, right? So if you're growing your business and you're achieving levels of success that maybe young Drigo never even dreamt of having before, you don't want to stay the course because now it's work. And so with Mo and you, is it that we have an aversion towards things that feel like work to us or is it something else? Because I worked for 20 plus years making commercials and music videos. I did work. And my wife knows this and she appreciates that for two decades of my life, I showed up every single day and I was a professional. And being a professional means you go to work whether you feel like it or not. Whether it's fun for you, whether you're miserable, if the clients are good or bad, you still show up. We don't take into account our mood and if we're feeling it or not. We show up and we do the work. So Drigo, aside from the freedom, because money does do something for you, it should theoretically buy you your time. That's what money is supposed to be used for. But maybe you're reluctant to use it for another reason I do not know. Do you have any insight into why you just don't move in this direction or potentially you're just asking, is this even a good idea for you to stop doing the work and doing something else? What do you think? So I think what really comes with this, and I guess it comes like, honestly, it kind of comes from you of like, when I hear you talk about why you left client services, and I understand you did this for a very long time, but then I also see other people with like doing, that have done way less than me, building out courses and doing these different things. And I just feel like, am I, am I not jumping on the boat fast enough? Am I like, am I, am I losing the opportunity here to, Keep doing my client service and I should be building an, uh, an audience and building influence within my market. And I guess that's where I feel conflicted because like every day that I'm working within my business, I feel like I'm not working towards, like I'd rather be a YouTuber than be a business owner at this point or be like an educator online. But then also know like all the benefits that comes from running my business. Like I've taken, I took five trips last year for an extended amount of times, you know what I mean? So there, there is a give and a take with it. And that's where I feel so torn about it. Like yesterday's call, like I was just like, I don't know what to do anymore. Okay. So your head's spinning around a little bit and you took some amazing trips because I saw the photos and the video clips on Instagram. I'm like, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still sitting here doing the work. And you're like living the dream, making money, traveling, seeing beautiful places and people. That sounds pretty good to me. And now you're saying, I'd rather just be a YouTuber and what happens, happens, right? Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe. But that's what it, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But I can help you here. Like, yeah. Help me out, man. Okay. So one thing that I like to do is I like to play both sides of the argument so that we can see if we take it to its extremity, we can see a little bit more clearly. So this is a general rule. If you're stuck, if you're stuck in a decision, if you're in a quandary, quagmire, whatever, and you're not quite sure which way to go. Try to play this scenario out in both directions, but take it to its extreme. So one direction is, you know what? Making videos for clients, other directed sucks. I'm working all the time and I don't get a chance to find that love and joy and that spark that I used to have just making videos for myself. 
speaking about the things that I care about, saying things that I'm passionate about. And so let's take it to the extreme. The extreme is, you know what? I'm done with doing client work. Perhaps I can sell my business, my book of business. I can train someone and, and have them run the business until it runs into the ground without me. There's a lot of options there, but I want to pull myself out, not just a little bit, but 100% so that I can go and make content. So I'm just going to play off this idea. Okay, I'm going to quit tomorrow. I don't really care about what happens with the business. I have enough money saved up to last me for a few months. I'm not really worried. I'm going to go all in on this YouTube thing. And I really don't care if it makes any money for a year or longer. Let's just say that's what it is. So I wake up every day. I got nothing on the agenda. I get to do whatever it is I want. And I go and do that. Okay, I want you to imagine that in your mind right now. And think about how you feel. Think about the emotional state that you're in the joy that might be in your heart. Now, if you were to score that on a life fulfillment scale of one to 10, where 10 is being the greatest, the greatest thing that you could do in your life right now, what score would you give that feeling? An 8.2. Okay. That's very precise. 8.2. I like that. Why not a 10? What's missing in that equation? The, I guess it's the, it's the doubt of like, what would happen if I kept going to my business? You know, because I like I've been working on this business for the past. Wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the way this works the best, if you just fully embrace, this is what I want to do with my life. I'll give you the example. I've told you, uh, and and Ben Burns and others who have listened to this before. All I want to do is teach all day long. That's all I want to do. I don't care about the money at all. And so, if someone could run the company in a way that provides for my family and helps with the mission. I don't want to charge a dollar to teach anyone. I would speak anywhere for free. I would do whiteboards. I would do workshops. I would design solutions for whatever it is that ails you. But that's not the reality, right? But that would make me filled to the brim with a 10 because I don't want to deal with like the whole money part. I just want to teach. So if you get to make YouTube content all day long, why are you holding on to this old idea that I'm doing something for other people? Well, because there's the money part. So like that's an honest answer. I like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's the money part. Okay. You know we can solve this though. Okay. Let's be really creative here. So I have no source of income now. I'm gonna make YouTube content. So we can push the eight point two to nine or ten if for whatever reason you make a couple like banger videos on YouTube and they go viral and you start making money from YouTube AdSense. Or potentially a sponsor steps up and says, you know what, we'd love to give you thirty to $50,000 to to mention our product or service. And all of a sudden you make money. Would that bring you to a 9 or 10 at that point? It would. Okay, that's a solid 9 or 10 then, you think? It is. Okay, so to, to put a number on this, how much money in AdSense and sponsorship combined would you need to make for you to be able to do YouTube content full-time, whatever you want to make, and be at a 10 in terms of satisfaction? I honestly have not looked at that number. Let's look at it right now. This is just a thought experiment. Yeah, so I mean, I'll say I'll say $10,000 a month. So 120K? Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty good dream, by the way. You get to do whatever you want, and someone's going to give you six figures worth of money, right? Hey, man, for living the dream, that's where you should do it. I mean, if you lived in Thailand, you'd live like a king. Well, you know, I like traveling. I do I do know that. That's why I said that, right? All right. So that's the dream. So we, we've designed one end of the spectrum. What would give you a 10 in pure joy is not to work for another client to make six figures, give or take, doing exactly what you want to do, making whatever kind of content you want. Okay, now we can park that there so we no longer have to think about doing service work for other people. Is that right? That is right. Okay, let's take the other side of the equation here. Not the argument, other side of the equation. All right, you're doing client work. Now, what would you say is the average price of engagement for one of these videos or, or TV commercials? I would say like 5000 per video. Okay, um, at what price point would it bring you a lot more joy as the average price point per video? 10000 Okay, let's say you said $35,000. I guess I'm not thinking big enough. Yes, thirty-five yes. would be really great. Okay, so if each client paid you thirty-five thousand dollars, even though it was client-directed, other-directed work, 
would do you think that would bring you more joy if you did the exact same thing you're doing today? It would bring me a lot of joy. <laughs> and what if some of these clients were household names and brands that you personally love and connect with? Would that bring you even more joy? I'd be static. Okay. So I'm going to say now, if you could do $600,000 doing the exact same thing that you did this year for, for your favorite brand, say you did something for Adidas, for, for Xbox, I don't know, for a band that you love, where would that give you uh, in terms of satisfaction, joy of life on a scale of one to 10? 10.2. <laughs> so this is even more than the your own freedom? Yeah, because I mean, money buys you time that gets you freedom. Exactly. Okay, and then you have prestige. You're working on great brands that you love that you probably would have done for free in your old self. Like, really, I get to do this with you? It's just cool to be able to say, you know, go back to the block and tell people, you know, I just did this thing for Adidas. Like, what? Yeah. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Welcome back to our conversation. Here's why I, I created these two scenarios, and it really helps us to understand why you're dissatisfied. You're dissatisfied because the current condition doesn't look like what you want it to be. So instead of solving that problem, we just change the problem. And this is where there's a lot of confusion. You see what I'm saying? So when you're like, you know what, I want to take off, I want to make YouTube videos, but that's only going to get me an 8.2 because I want to do some of that service work still. Because we're not being totally creative and we're not 100% committed to this goal happening. If we're 100% committed and say, what has to happen for me to be really happy? Versus trying to bring in a compromise factor. And I think that was the scariest thing from last night when I presented to Mo. If you're equally confident about hitting your financial goals for 2022, drop one. But he couldn't. He wanted to hedge his bets. And I'm not a big believer in this. A friend of mine told me, focus, F-O-C-U-S, focus on one course until successful. Focus on one course until successful. That is focus. And even Nidia was saying, you know what? Maybe you start here and as you progress and you're hitting your benchmarks, you can afford yourself to do the other thing that you wanted to do as opposed to diluting your effort and your energy and your focus to doing two things at once. And I've talked about this before. I think I picked this up from Jim Quick. And he said something like, there's no such thing as multitasking. There's just task switching. So we think we can run two businesses simultaneously. And if you have enough money and resources and you have a deep talent bench, you can do that. Because the argument is, what about Elon Musk? Well, if you're the world's richest person, you do whatever the F you want. But we're not in that position. We do not have that team of geniuses, inventors, project managers, operations people, creatives to run all of our endeavors because we just don't have the finances to do this. So right now, between these two dream ends, between you just making YouTube content, waking up one day and like, I want to make something, I don't want to make something, and being able to bring in six figures, 120K, or you running a business that's $600,000 in revenue, working with high-profile clients where the average cost per project is 35000 and up, which of these two, at least right now, feel more appealing to you? The 35000 Okay. So do you know what you need to do then? I want to say yes, but this is where I guess, this is where I kind of feel conflicted because like, I, I, I know what I need to do. But I guess it's like when we have calls about like building courses or creating a digital product inside of the pro group. That's where I kind of feel like I'm not taking advantage of what I should be doing. And that's where I feel the conflict. Okay. Let me ask you this question here. If I told you tomorrow, there is a path forward where you can actually have this very situation that you describe on a scale of happiness on a one to 10, a 10.2, that there's a path forward and you could do it. And then I also told you that if you pursue something else, you're only going to delay your ability to reach that goal. Would you pursue something else or not? No, it wasn't to you. Okay, so what it sounds to me like is you don't see the path clearly ahead of you. Hence your, hence your reluctance, right? Now, let me ask you this other question. How long does a person need to wait to achieve the life of their dreams? 
So if today was the beginning of you marching towards that, that dream life that you want, what do you think is a reasonable amount of time for you to invest in achieving your dream? I don't know how to put a number on that. Well, I'll just throw something I mean, out. Like for you to achieve your dreams, I mean, it's something that I think you work on it every single day. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. For sure. I, so are you referring to like reaching that $35,000 client? Is that the $35,000 client to hit your $600,000 annual revenue working with a couple of big brand names that you love. How long do you think you have to work in order to achieve that? What's a reasonable amount of time for Drigo? In our current state, probably three to five years. Okay, three to five years. Okay. Are you willing to put in that time? Yeah. Okay, so you're at 186000 so by the end of this year, you're at 400000 And by the, this, the next year, only two years later, you're at 600000 You could do that in, in two years' time. Would that be a reasonable amount of time for you? I'm scared to say yes. I, I have doubt in that. Well, this is just a hypothetical right now. Okay. We don't have to be real. dragged down by our fears of what reality might be. I'm just saying, conceptually speaking... If you could do $400,000 this year, grow your company by 2x, a little over 2x, and next year grow it by another 200,000, which isn't as big of a jump from 400 to 600, it's not as big as 186 to 400, right? That if this were something that you can commit to, would you be happy doing this? I would. Okay. So again, I ask you, what is the problem then? I guess it's missing out on not doing what I think is fun. Okay, so you'd rather have fun. <laughs> I don't know if it's fun, man, but it's just like... No, it's fun. I know it is. It is fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like enjoyment. It's enjoyment of life. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to share a couple of things. Uh, first, I just want to correct again the quote. It's actually from Galileo Galilei. It's the passion is the genesis of genius. Okay, so here's the thing, Drigo. I, I think I said this yesterday. And I, I stole this from Blair Enns, who says all strategy is autobiographical. So I'm going to give you a plan. And the plan that I gave you is based on my own life, right? I'm not going to tell you do something I haven't done or haven't seen success in my own life. But let me just tell you something my father told me. And I know you already know the story, but for the benefit of everyone on the call. So when I was a lot younger, I would get in a little bit of trouble with my dad. And this was during high school because my dad knew the importance of getting good grades and performing well in high school because he knew that if I didn't do well, I was not going to get into a good college. But my dad is a busy man. He's working uh, from, from sunrise to sunset to provide for our family. And when he would see my report card, he would just look at me with this kind of disappointment and sadness in his eyes. But he didn't yell at me. He didn't. He's like, you know, this is going to be your life. And he presented me this concept. And the concept was like this. Pretty much said, you can take all of your success, right? The, the success that you want to achieve, and you can spread it out throughout the rest of your life so that you'll be working a little bit, making a little bit of progress until you're 65. And that's pretty much how everybody works. They go to their nine to five, they're weekend warriors, they have a barbecue. And that's pretty much the majority of all my relatives, my, my many cousins, uh, uncles and aunts. That's what they do. And he says, there's another option for you. You take all the work that you're going to do from now to 65, instead of spreading it out, you compress it down to a few short years. You have to work harder than everyone else. You have to stay more focused. You have to be less distracted and you have less fun. But if you do that, you can achieve the level of success. And once you get to that level of success, the rest of your life becomes easy. Now, he said that to me as a 16, 17-year-old kid. I'm like, yeah, dad, whatever. I'm going to have fun. So what did I do? Uh, I played video games all day and night. I would talk to my girlfriend at that time for hours at a time every night, every day. I would do the bare minimum that I needed to do to, to get an A in my class. Never more, just enough to get an A. I didn't take any advanced placement classes. I didn't study for my SATs. I did not spend the proper amount of time writing an essay. So you know what happened? My dad was right. I applied to three universities. I got into zero of them. And so then I had to go to community college. But you know, 
once I started to realize that there was truth and wisdom in what my dad said, because my whole thing was like, my dad's from another world, another country. What does he know about America? What does he know about the education system? I'll show him. I didn't show him anything. I just showed him he was right. And I made a couple more mistakes before I learned the lesson because in life, I think it's like the universe tells you to do something, you ignore it. So it delivers you a little slap and then it tells you again, do something, you ignore it. And this time it's not a slap, it's a punch. And if you can feel the pain, you start to recognize, I do not want to feel this pain anymore. So once I got into art school, I became super hyper-focused. And that's how I started to perform and that's how I got better at things. And for the first five years after getting out of school, I went on zero vacations. I worked like an animal. And true to my dad's prediction, I achieved, I achieved success. So I'm only a couple of, couple of years out of school. I'm already doing millions of dollars in revenue. And so now I get to coast. But of course I don't coast, but that's the end of that story. So Drigo, I feel like you and Mo, you're two long lost brothers really from another mother where you start to achieve some level of success and you're like, nah, I'm done. I'm going to go vacation. I'm going to go do different things. So I think you're subscribing to this plan of I'll just work for the rest of my life. Doing just well enough not to panic, but never doing well enough that I could just do nothing. Does that sound about right to you? Sounds like you're, uh, you're hitting the, the nail right there. So you like to have fun. And it's okay if you want to have fun. I'm not your dad and I don't have to live with your decisions. But you just have to recognize one day you're like, you know what? I'm not as young. I'm not as good looking. I'm not as physically able. And I wish I made different decisions. And at this point, I'm going to tell you that story that eats at your heart. I have a friend who, uh, by all accounts, is a very successful artist. I don't want to say too much because I don't know. I don't want you to know who he is. And when he made money and when he hit that moment, he didn't realize it was the peak of his career. He spent money foolishly buying all kinds of things he didn't need, a fancy motorcycle, if he wanted uh, new furniture or whatever. He just spent the money thinking that golden faucet was going to continue to pour on his life. And when it stopped, he was not prepared because he didn't have any money. So for, for the next couple of decades, he just works. He meets a woman, they fall in love, they have a kid. Unfortunately for him, he, doesn't, he does not make enough money to have his own place. So you know what? He's still living at home. And he's not a young man. And then before the pandemic, his wife's father became ill and she needed to fly home to see him before he would pass. And sadly, they did not have the money to go. So her father passes and she doesn't arrive in time. She, she comes to bury her father and it broke him. It broke the relationship. And it was such a tragic thing. And he told me, I feel less like a man because I could not even do this one thing for my wife. And he told me she blames me for it and I deserve it. So, Drigo, do you want that to be your story one day? I don't. I really don't. Are you taking action consistent with your desire or that's inconsistent with your desire? It's, uh, <clears throat> I think I'm taking action that fills my desire, but I don't think I'm maximizing my actions. I mean, if you look at your trajectory in the last couple of years, do you think you're at the peak of your earning potential and the peak of your career as a creative person making uh, TV commercials and videos? Are you at the early arc of it? Is there a lot of room to go up? Where do you see yourself right now? I'm in quadrant four next to Mo. <laughs> okay, you're still on the ascent, right? But what's happening here is you haven't broken gravity yet. And you're like, I'm done. And we all know this, right? It takes a tremendous amount of energy for a rocket to break gravity of Earth. But once you're in outer space, there's no air. The, the, the gravitational pull of the Earth is much less. And it requires almost no energy to keep moving forward. Actually, once you're in the dead of space... You fire your rocket, you turn it off, you travel at that speed forever until you hit something. But you guys are like still at the launch pad, taking off like we're done. Our energy is spent. Let's turn around. That part confuses me. I want to say something about this. <clears throat> is that okay? Do it. Okay. So me and Drigo talk a lot. 
Um, and I realize, and Drigo, correct me if I'm wrong, I think at the core of this, particularly probably with the both of us, it's a stamina game. So, Chris, I realize that at a certain point in the year, that's when Drigo gets flustered. Usually it's after a very long period of intense working with a client to where he's burnt out. And then he takes his, what I now call quarterly vacations. And then he comes back and he feels off kilter. And it's this constant reset. So the question I want to pose, and Drigo, if, if it's not the right question, just cancel and keep going. How to maintain that stamina, how to maintain that focus to not lose sight of where you're going as the days and the work happens, the day-to-day, the nuances of life. Um, Drigo, your thoughts around that, and if that's the right question to ask with what y'all are talking about. Uh, me, it is. It, and it's kind of hard. It's like, you know, in the beginning years of, like, being a solopreneur, entrepreneur, as you're, like, uh, creating a team, I still have my hands in, into a lot of the things. And I do feel burned out at times with everything that I am doing. So, I guess, Chris, how did you just keep going, like, at your rate? Because, I mean, you, like you said yesterday, it's like, you're 100%. It's not like me and Mo's 100%. So how do you stay at that focus and at the speed that you operate at? Okay, I'm going to say something to you. And everybody, if you want to have a strong reaction, tweet at me, come at me. Nitty, I, I expect you to be listening with that heart-centered mind of yours to say, Chris, let's pull that gear like back one. Okay, I'm just going to lay it on you guys. Here we go. <clears throat> this is me climbing on top of the soapbox. Let me prepare myself here. So here's the thing that I've learned in my life. Success is freaking addictive. When you start to hit it, you want more of it and you can't get enough of it. And it's a freaking awesome feeling. And I'm just driven by the results that I see. And so every time I put in that extra effort, I see a little extra reward. And when I get that extra reward, I'm like, let me give a little more extra effort. Let me just keep doing this. And maybe I'm built differently. Maybe I'm like the David Goggins of design because I have stamina, baby. I'm going on the ultra marathon, the Ironman. I'm going to go for it because it feels really freaking good. And it's funny because people say, well, that's dumb luck. Maybe it's dumb luck. I accept that there is a, a fair degree of luck, right time, right place, right people. You know, you cross the street, somebody sees you. They're like, hey, we should work together. Yeah, that happens. But when luck keeps happening to you, coincidences keep happening to you, it's not a coincidence anymore. So let me enter into Exhibit A because, you know, we're in the, uh, the court of public opinion here. It's like when I'm at school and there are people who have greater talent and I just outwork them, I start to outperform them and I start to get better opportunities. Okay, that's cool. I get out of school and then I work for a company. Uh, my first job um, as a professional creative person is I work in advertising. I get this job at Colton Weber, right, which is in Seattle. So I'm living in Seattle, still going to school, but I took a semester off. I'm here in Seattle. I'm working. And you know what? Just the nature of how I work uh, during the day, people are talking to me. We'll go to lunch. There's an event. I can't focus. And I'm not satisfied with whatever ideas I have. So you know what I do? I just ask my boss, how late can I stay? He says, you can stay as late as you want. Okay, very cool. So I sat in my cubicle, this tiny little office next to the bathroom, no window, one door, two of us in a closet quite literally, in a closet. And I just work 10 p.m., 2 a.m., 4 a.m. And no one is there because everybody went home at 5 o'clock. And I just do this again and again. And of course, you could see it in the work because the work is better because I put in the effort and energy. I'm a 22-year-old kid at this point, so I have that kind of stamina. I have that young person exuberance. And after a little while, my boss, Kevin Jones, recognizes the work that I do. So when I got this job, they paid me $40,000 a year, which at that time was pretty decent relative to my counterparts who were focused on design, uh, probably making $25,000 a year. So I'm still doing pretty good. First thing out of the gate, it feels pretty good. And within a few short months of working there, my boss, Kevin, says, you know, what do you want to do when you're done with school? I said, I don't know, Kevin. He goes, do you want to work here? I'm like, I'm not sure that advertising is for me. He goes, I get it. 
But let me tell you, if you want to work here, I can pay you a lot more than what you're getting paid now. And I said, well, how much is that? And he's like, we can pay you $85,000 a year. And I was blown away because prior to this point in time, the only kind of jobs I had were paying me some low hourly freelance rate. And I'm not even months into this job and they have more more than doubled my job offer. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, let me think about it. And Kevin's a great boss because he comes back to me noticing that I did not bite on that offer. So he sweetens the offer. He says, you know what? You can run your own design company within this agency and keep your own clients. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, you could, uh, as long as you give me three good days a week, I'm good. And I was really confused. First of all, I'm like this young person in this agency, like fish out of water because everybody there is an advertising professional and I'm a graphic designer. And so I asked him, Kevin, why would you want to pay me this and give me this kind of freedom? Because you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even care if you actually do any work, but you work so hard. You set the bar so far that everyone else here who goes home at five o'clock, you put them on notice. You make them feel bad because of your passion and your hard work. And you know what? That made me smile. I'm like, wow, somebody recognizes this. And you know what's crazy? Um, I, uh, even though I was a salaried employee, I still had to fill out timesheets. And I would fill up. I came in at 10 a.m. I left at 2 in the morning. And so some of my hours during the week were ridiculously high. And their policy was they paid me for overtime. And so I got, I got a call up to the fourth floor. Creatives were on the third floor. Account and management were on the fourth floor. Dolly, the controller, calls me up to the fourth floor. I'm like, shoot, what's going on? She calls me and she goes, Chris, I looked at your hours. These are crazy hours. And, and she goes, did anybody approve this? I'm like, no. I wasn't actually expecting to get paid more. This is just what I do. She calls Kevin up to the fourth floor. Kevin comes in. And he's like, what's going on? And Dolly's like, uh, Kevin, have you seen Chris's hours? He goes, no, what's the problem? He goes, there are a lot of hours. He goes, as long as there are not more hours that you can work in a week, whatever number he puts down is fine by me. He signs off on it. Again, I'm just blown away. So the story of my life is you work hard, you do better in school. You work hard when you're in work, people reward you. I'm not saying this is everyone's story. It's just my story. Of course, this is what I experience. And so this is what I reflect on. And this continues for the rest of my life. I can tell you more and more stories about how hard work equals results. And if you work hard with talent and passion and you're smart, the results will shock you. And I'm always sitting back, scratching my head with Mo, with you and other people. You have talent, you have passion. Why won't you just focus a little bit more on what it is that you want? Why is it that your endurance is so relatively short? That part confuses me. Turn it back over to you, Drigo. I guess it's because I'm too busy multitasking. It's hard to find focus when you're trying to do 500 other things. You know, maybe you're the smart one. I leave that open because you're young. You know, you're still single. You get to travel the world. You get to enjoy your life while you're still able-bodied. While you have all that youthful exuberance and energy and stamina. And when when you're old, you're like, I had a better plan than Chris. But you know, I got to tell you something. Um, It is so neat. Like when my wife and I, when we ever have a problem surrounding money, I just turn to her. I say, let's not stress out over this. It's just money and we have it. Just spend it. I'll give you two examples, right? I'm in London with my two boys. First of all, that's a privilege in itself. I'm there because I'm doing public speaking that I'm getting paid for. And I run a workshop, which I'm getting paid for. And I leave it to my boys to arrange transportation from our hotel in London to the airport. And they're new to travel. And so you know what we did? We jumped on trains. We went the wrong direction. Ultimately, we missed our flight. And my oldest boy, I think he was 16 at that time, he was really stressed out. It looked like he wanted to cry because the person at the airport was telling us, you can't catch this flight. They're closing the gate now. And he felt like a tremendous amount of guilt because he was the responsible one to plan our transportation and we missed it. Now, in my mind, I didn't care because you know why? I didn't have to be anywhere because I don't report to anyone. I don't have a job. And if it means taking... uh, 
the train or the or cab back to a fancy hotel and booking it and staying another night. It didn't matter to me. I didn't let on because I wanted him to feel that heat, the consequences of making poor decisions. Ultimately, another flight attendant looked at us, had pity on our soul and said, how can I help you? He got us on a different flight. And I could tell like he, my son let out a giant sigh of relief. But in the back of my mind, it didn't even matter. I texted my wife. I said, I think we missed our flight. We might not be coming home tonight. FYI. Don't worry. That's story number one. Story number two. My wife is remodeling our master bathroom. And if you see it, it's like a hotel. And she was so stressed out. Honey, what if I pick the wrong tile? What if the finish on the faucet isn't the right? Is it supposed to be satin nickel? Or is it polished nickel? Or is it stainless steel? What is it? You know what? I could tell she was stressed out. She wanted help in that decision. And I told her, I'm not going to make this decision for you. You know the scheme. This is your project. You get to make the decision. But she goes, I need help and you're not being helpful to me at all. I said, I am going to be very helpful to you. Don't stress. Make your best guess. If it doesn't work out, just pay them to rip it all out and replace it. It's only money. I tell you that story is because if you put in the work up front and you hit the levels of success, the success begets more success. People love working with winners. When you do that job with Adidas, Nike will call you. And when Nike calls you, Puma calls you. This is how it works. But if you don't get to that level, no one cares. Now, I brought up Neil because Neil had raised his hand to be to join us on the stage. And I believe this is the Neil we all know and love. Neil, is that you? That's me, man. How you doing, buddy? Haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, I'm great. Uh, I just randomly saw this. And uh, it's a great topic because I've just recently worked with Mo and Drigo on a couple of different projects. So I just thought I could uh, contribute a little bit here. Wonderful. D- is there something you wanted to say specifically or do you want to chime in a little bit later? Yeah, it's something specific for uh, for both these guys because, um, you know, I worked with both of them on a, on a project recently and Mo's working with me a little bit more. And uh, I think it was it was a cool experience because it was a high revenue event, a high, you know, high ticket product that I was doing and I needed their help. And, you know, they came through and we had a lot of fun doing it. And, um, when we were doing it, I think we had a combined in about 48 hours of work, we combined, uh, maybe like slept four hours, you know, <laughs> like we were just having fun and it was just crazy. Cause you brought up the fact that winning gives you this energy and collaboration does too, you know, and I thought like these guys are so talented, both of them and they're selling. I feel like you guys are selling yourself short. Like you, you have so much to offer people, not just the product. I feel like you guys are stuck in this commoditized product. You're selling the product when you should be selling more of your IP and your services, you know, and, and, uh, I just feel like, um, if you could figure out a way to scale, you know, that's the one thing, like, I feel like you guys, years go by and you're still selling the same product to the same people and you, and you have relatively the same number of people working on your team. So everybody has this goal to quadruple or triple their, uh, revenue, but yet you have the same product you're selling and the same number of people on your team. So when you guys say that we're just joking, like, it's not, how is that going to happen if you're not going to sell way more products and in order to sell how are you going to fulfill those products? Or, you know what I mean? Like you have to have a scalable product. And I think that's the conversation. Not so much like, you know, I'm torn between this or that. Like, I think Drigo, you, you like, dude, everybody you worked with at my event loved working with you. Same thing with Mo. There's so much more you could be offering people. And uh, that winning will give you the energy to put in an insane amount of work. Like you feel like right now you get scatterbrained and you get burnt out. You don't get burnt out when you're winning. And when your revenue is going up like that, you have endless energy and that is going to build momentum. And then you're going to hire more people and you're going to offer more products and you're going to build this product. Like you're going to do so much if you could just get into that pocket of momentum. So that's what I wanted to tell you guys. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for joining us this time. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Greg Gunn. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. 
if you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? Head over to thefuture.com slash heychris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.